0: And you are listening to WMNF, WMNF Tampa. WMNF, the best little station in the nation. Thanks for being out there. My name is Joellen Schulke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most, And this show is called Art in Your Ear here on WMNF. Yay! On today's show, Becca McCoy is going to be coming in to talk about the year of extraordinary travel. We have so many good stories for you. Hang in there. Stay tuned.
1: In a bottle. First thing that I like to do is to save every day till the eternity passes away, so just to spend them with you. If I could make days last forever, words could make wishes come true. Yeah Just for wishes And dreams That had never come true The box will be empty
0: And that's uh, Licky Lee, I'm not sure how to say that, doing a Jim Croce song. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for being out there. If you want to get in touch with us, please do consider texting us at 813-433-0885. You can put your uh, name in there so I can say hi, if that's okay. You can email dj at WMNF. Dot O-R-G. I know people like to call, but I'm on the air talking, so I cannot answer the phone. So try one of those other methods. Um, we're going to listen. There's a brand new song out by uh, by an artist that I don't think he's released anything in years, uh, Baba Mal. And uh, I'm not even going to try. Well, I'm going to try. The name of the song, I think, is Yeri Mayo Celebration. And uh, it seemed like a really appropriate song to play today for this interview. Uh, so please listen up to some Baba Mal, and we'll be back with Becca McCoy and her year of extraordinary travel.
2: Bi jula non gurtego deji sali jabade Taki taki hudum Henge nyunya napi ku delde yji mi bimi ju non gade do deji sali jabade Go Thamme Yo
0: great. I was just telling Becca that last night I was looking for uh, music to play uh, because she's been to so many countries, seven countries, I think you said. This guy sounds like more, but uh, all sorts of states and countries and and different places. And I was like, oh, I want an African song and then Baba Mall dropped it. So it was obviously meant to be. I love that. Welcome to Art in Your Ear, Becca McCoy. Thank
3: you for having me, Joelle and Shelby. Well,
0: well, thank you for making a fancy show for us to do, but it wasn't a fancy show. It it was a book, but even before it was a book, it was a need. Correct. So uh, you in uh, between what was it? August August of 2018?
3: September 2018 to August 2019. 2019, you traveled where? I went to eight states and seven countries, so the seven other countries were England, France, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Thailand. Myanmar. Wow. So
0: this was, uh, you know, in, in your play. So you're doing. You're here because you're doing a show at the, um, the wonderful. It's such a wonderful venue at uh, Studio Grand Central. Uh, and if that sounds familiar, wonderful uh, listeners, that's where uh, Ward Smith started his Off Central Players. And of course, Ward Smith is, you know, genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you. And I want to mention also that your show called "The Year of Extraordinary Travel," uh, which you wrote and you're performing, and it's directed by Vicky. Daniel, Thank you. The French. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Was this in your head when you decided, hey, I am going to just push myself past some comfort zones? Did you know, like, did you rationalize it? Like, okay, I'm going to turn this into something artistic and that gives me the reason for, you know, I can write off my taxes and I'm ready for it.
3: (laughs) Well, I wish I had thought of that at the time. (laughs) Uh, No, very honestly, no. This has all happened in a really organic way and each... Time that I've revisited this experience, it has satisfied a need of that moment. So creating the experience in real time of traveling to different places to be in the moment to live through this transitional time in my personal life. Um, and then creating the book was on the heels of COVID and how that kind of just blew my whole world um, to pieces. And um, and one of the things that was so apparent at the beginning um, of the pandemic and still being a performer was that I had always identified as a creative or interpretive, an interpretive artist more so than a creative mm-hmm. artist. I
0: remember one time years ago, really when we first met um, around then, and there was a conversation with several people with some mutual friends, and I was the only person who was like not a performer there, unless you count this, but you know, not a performer and you said not derisively, but very concretely, i don't write songs like it was just like i don't like whoa, you know like that is a bar- it was a barrier it was sort of like, this was not what i do i will I will take what you do, and I will blossom it will I will blossom mm-hmm. it, but I don't do that. Yep. Well, yes, I guess not. huh? And so
3: when <laughs> when looking at needing to switch to, you know, these other ways of, of transporting theatrical work to an audience without the traditional sense of congregating at a venue or something like that, you know, using YouTube or those other um, formats, I didn't have anything to monetize because I did not own all of the content of my work, even especially cabarets. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know auditory collage where i've taken pre-existing songs and threaded them into a new story to forward um a, a fresh idea and i think that that is um is valid but it's not it's not my ownership mm-hmm. um and so i really truly didn't see my way back onto the stage at that time. And so I thought, well, I have 10,000 photographs and I have these experiences. And so I guess I need to make a coffee table book. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started. And it wasn't until um, I had approached Mark Ailing and Carrie Jadis at Softwater Gallery about um, possibly having an exhibit of my photography at their space. And my, it was Mark who said, I don't. Why don't you just show projections and you know do a dramatic reading or something of your book? And I thought, huh, I don't know why that had not occurred to me, but it didn't. And then Ward approached and said, uh, "Would you like to do your Christmas show in residency here in December?" and i just flat said no i'm not interested in in revisiting anything i've done in the past but what i really am interested in is exploring this idea of bringing my book to life and it was vicky uh, who helped me take it at one point it was going to be me the book a music stand and me advancing the slides myself right right and then over 6 months of development it became a proper
0: and play. that might have been because this was the first time you were writing it so you're like okay i don't want to i just want to make sure you know
3: mm-hmm.
0: yes. um so in the at the turn of the last century, uh, there was a very popular lyceum movement, and where uh, and Saint Pete, Saint Petersburg has a lyceum. Tampa did, but it's been torn down. Where uh, they were sort of built to look like churches. Or fancy libraries, but they were a stage and audience, but they were not a, um, at all a spiritual or a religious practice, probably spiritual, but people who did interesting things would travel around the country and show, show drawings and this newfangled photography and talk about their experiences. And so one of the biggest and most popular versions was a travelogue. So, so when I was sitting there, like when you first wrote me about this, I was like, oh, it's a lyceum thing. When I was sitting there, I was like, Take the you know they had their advanced technology when they did it so now we have our advanced technology but otherwise it's the same exact thing it's this need that people have to to speak their stories to to speak the words this is what I did and to connect with someone else on it Um, so I went to the rehearsal your dress rehearsal and you were speaking your stories out loud so as an as a person as a performer and as an actor and singer who has up until this time done everyone else's stuff. What are there differences between telling these stories when they're your words or did they sort of become at some point a script that you are
3: doing? Interesting. No, it's um it's been a very vulnerable and uh, empowering experience. <laughs> it's um. funny how those two walk
0: together, huh? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
3: um no, it's um geez. It's just it's just been everything I hoped it would be and more. I mean, I I think that uh, inherently... My travel stories don't matter, quote, in a theatrical sense, unless they can tap into something a little bit more universal for people. You know, cause I, you know, a good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But to be worthy of theater, I think it needs to elevate to that next level of how does it take the audience on their own journey. Um, And so when I saw the parallels between... My filling a transitional time in my life with this experience and feeling like most of us are in a transitional time right now, um, that there was something more, there were more hooks into my stories that, that people could initiate their own thought exercises or go down their own memory lanes or, you know, think about something in a new way that it would be a valuable thing to put on stage, not just a um, um, self-serving thing mm. to put on stage. Right.
0: So, um, so dear audience, this is uh, my guest is Becca McCoy, who's talking about a show that her first show that she's written and she's performing it uh, and it opened up last night, goes to the 18th of December. Over in St. Pete. Uh, so, you, uh, were you feeling lost? You split up. You ended a marriage. You changed things. It sounded like you left your town. Um, were you feeling lost when that happened?
3: I, I kind of wasn't. I mean, I, I was the initiating force of the, of the divorce but it was from a place of love, which is why my ex-husband is listed in special thanks in the program. Mm-hmm. He he and I are better friends now than we were before. And it is, I think that's just such an incredible way to go if you can.
0: So, but the, the travel, because you start off, and, and I, I'm giving away a little, but I don't think it's really important to this show. <laughs> but you kind of ended up, you traveled, and then you traveled, and then you traveled, and then you thought, oh, wait a minute. Let me see where this goes. Mm-hmm. So, what what was happening though? Like to decide, I'm going to take a year, and every single month, I'm going to go somewhere ex- extraordinary. You know, I'm going to just blow it out of the water. So, dear listener, I'm so freaking jealous of her. <laughs> <laughs> luckily I like her. Um, <laughs> but so what? But there was something there. There was something that wasn't there in your life that you wanted to um I picture, you know, in young Frankenstein when finally he just puts those things on and goes, I need to jumpstart this. Yeah. So what were you jumpstarting?
3: Yes, I think it was a pursuit of um of authenticity, of feeling like I I had started a marriage at twenty three and at forty it was not the right fit. I didn't want to own a 2,400-square-foot house. I didn't want a lawn to mow. I didn't want those things. Um, And so it was a, a, a moment where I felt more defined by the negatives. What am I not? What do I not want? As opposed to knowing who I am or what I do want. And so travel is just a way to center yourself in the moment. And I think that you... Think clearer; that you are more emboldened um, when you're able to exist in those circumstances. And what I found really interesting about the the experience as a whole, and and you see this in the show, that it starts with you know a kind of wild sense of like, "Whoa, I'm free!" and I'm gonna, you know. And so the first stories, you know, name drop or you know, they're about these ex- these exciting um, cultural experiences. And then it ends in Thailand with me embracing my own ignorance and realizing all that I didn't know and and then came out of the experience kind of shell-shocked. Um, so experiencing a whatever it would be, a buyer, not a buyer's remorse, but like, a oh, okay, I just did this thing of great gravity. And now do I need to make it something important? Do I need to justify what I did beyond just having lived in the moment from month to month? Um, And what do I do with the experience I just had and how groundbreaking it was for me as a person?
0: Were you... uh Did you, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. Was there a danger of you kind of sort of accelerating your understanding of it? And I say danger because we have a natural progression of understanding in ourselves. And sometimes we like to speed that up. Uh (laughs) Man, I want to know myself better. Um, But that is a big deal. I mean, to me, I long, I long to be in a place where I don't, I have to struggle to understand the language and I have to Mm -hmm. work really hard Mm -hmm. and, and I have to, I have to distill who I am so I can interact properly with the people that live there. And that sounds what, what you were doing. And you ended up purposely going to a place that was um, foreign in all the best ways. Yes. Like foreign in a great way. Yes. Was it foreign when you left?
3: Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I, I didn't want to leave. I think about how much I want to go back uh, like I said in the show, Thailand a couple times a week right yeah um it it was just so profound um and i th- I guess what i what was foreign was um my understanding of of me, you know the the lyric from the indigo girls song that i I went out seeking clarity and you know kicked up the mud, and now the water is even muckier than it was before, and um, so I felt a little bit like okay, well, I was just going to resume resume <laughs> normal life then, and I'll figure this out later. And then six months later, the pandemic was like, here, time, figure to, it out. time to figure it out.
0: You know, it's funny. I was just uh, unfortunately wasting time on TikTok this morning. <laughs> and um, there was a monk who was answering a question about anger. And he said, oh, anger, anger is like the mud. And you think it's terrible and dirty, but a lotus will only grow in mud. So I was like, all right, so there you go. There's your mud. (laughs) Listeners, uh, you're listening to Art in Your Ear on WMNF. We're speaking with Becca McCoy, who has a show up at the uh, Grand Central uh, Theater. And she uh, has traveled to all these different countries and all of these different uh, states in the U.S. And one of the remarkable experiences, of course, and it is sort of, a, um, in a way, not quite a bookend, but it definitely is a, a... has a theme that goes through is uh, when you went to Alaska to see the Northern Lights. Yeah. And you said something in it. You talked about the Northern Lights looking gray. Yes. To you, uh, but are you colorblind or that's just your perception that they were silvery,
3: gray, Mm -hmm. silvery? Yeah. And and interestingly, because of the people that I was with, we all assumed that that was the experience that everyone sees gray and then your camera, which uh has different kind of light receptors or doesn't have some of the rods and, and bars and that our our eyes do, um, picks picks up the other bright hues. And so, you know, you can just hold your camera up and look through it and you see the the green, um, but my eyes could only see gray. And I assumed that was everyone's experience and then did some research and it is not. Um and so it, it can depend on um what your eyes are used to on a regular basis. I think probably people who are indigenous to that area can see them better. Um, it seems like, um, you know, in, indigenous people of the past. Did see the colors, and they did hear the crackle, the radio mm-hmm. waves. um and they believed that it was their ancestor speaking to them through through the lights in the sky. Why not? Um which is just <laughs> incredible. but yeah, for for me, um they were gray, and I assumed that that I was seeing what everyone sees. Um, and then my camera, you know, augmented that perspective and showed me something different
0: and then you that goes into a riff which comes up a few times about tools and mm-hmm. how we have these tools that help us appreciate. Or understand what what is going on a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Were there other tools that popped up during this uh, journey that you had not anticipated being so helpful?
3: Um, well, I reference uh, the need for a flashlight <laughs> yeah. at one point. You that we you know <laughs> we just needed a little bit of uh, light amplification. <laughs> All right, so not that not that we have a lot of
0: themes here. Let's see, we need tools. We need to see better. Mm-hmm. We need to see differently. Okay, come on, bring but on. But I do also uh, <laughs>
3: mention regret. As a tool that human beings have Mm -hmm. um, to augment their perspective, because I think that it is a really um, powerful mode of self-reflection and not not a negative one, one Mm -hmm. that can just help us to course correct. Like like
0: the anger, like the mud, that good things can grow out of regret. Yeah. So what, um, so I want to go back to this, but where are you on traveling now? You know, I mean, you live in a, in a city that has a airport that can take you anywhere. Like you can go anywhere. Are you good? Did it, were you like, okay, I'm pretty good. Or was it like, oh no, 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 mama needs to go travel.
3: I, well, I do have that feeling and yet it hasn't happened. I haven't been on a plane since January, 2020. When I came from Chicago down to Florida to narrate for the Florida Orchestra, do my cabaret for the last time and start rehearsals for Gypsy. And then COVID happened Mm -hmm. and I was locked down here. I couldn't renew my lease. The next time I went into my apartment in Chicago, it was just a packet. I moved to Atlanta and I have not traveled or been on a plane right. since. It's very bizarre. Right. Yeah, total
4: 180 <laughs>
0: from, from before. Well, I, before I go on, I know I didn't ask you this before we started the interview, but are there are there specific things you want to make sure people pay attention to when they see the show? Are there things that you're like, this, this one, super secret, this
3: matters, pay attention. <laughs> what? I am hoping that the the themes resonate in in terms of um ex- external journeys versus internal or external travel versus internal journeys um that possibility wins even when it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like i think that is the the heart of the piece and that's what i hope people go away with as a as a as a girl or
0: as a teenage young woman, um, I first left the country by myself when I was seventeen, mm-hmm. and had a similar experience. Went to London, yeah. went to school in London, and um, and have off, I've traveled with others since then, of course. But I have traveled very often by myself. I've been to uh, probably seven, eight, nine countries by myself. Mm-hmm. Made friends sometimes, sometimes didn't make friends, which was sad. Uh, was this the first time you did? traveling by yourself to that extent to the, you know, like Thailand or like, was that, and how was, how was it when you had to rely on just you in a different place?
3: Um, actually my semester abroad in London when I was 20 um I, I was kind of the odd man out. There were only five of us from my school uh, living in the flat and I didn't gel with the other people. And so I did extensive traveling during that experience by myself, which was brand new um, to me. And so- it's I It's so you know, good for a young woman. Oh, it was incredible. And I and I found that I loved it and I found that I was very comfortable with it. And uh, when I work at, worked out of town for theater, I would just go all in to wherever I was there on someone else's dime, so most of the time by myself, and then I would travel as much as possible. Um, Thailand was the first time that I went someplace very, very different um, by myself. Uh, But to be honest, there were parts of Normandy with less English proficiency than Thailand. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And in Normandy, when I was really struggling, I just typed something into Google Translate and held up my phone, and it worked and then I thought, well, then I can go anywhere. Yeah.
0: I I uh, so long to go to Normandy when I saw that. It's definitely very high up on my list of places I want to go. You so went to a beautiful. lot of places. So you went, um you traveled uh alone. You traveled with um, your gentleman friend, I did. You traveled with your daughter. Mm-hmm. You traveled with your mom and your
3: sister. Yes. Am I leaving any? And then any- the unnamed friend. And then the unnamed friend. Yes. <laughs> Who is one of my closest friends and was going through their own um, incredible personal journey at right. the time. Uh, and
0: was that because traveling with other people really defines a relationship i um you know when you you could have a great time with someone, but when you're traveling together, understand like if you don't have the right travel rhythm that can just kill a relationship <laughs> and Absolutely. has for me totally killed a relationship. Were there things like did you pregame it with people? I mean obviously your daughter you know, maybe, I don't know your mother and your sister, I don't know how much you travel together, but did you pregame things with people to like sort of talk about how are we going to travel together? Because, you know, I mean, these trips were, they were for everybody, but they were for you. You were the instigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had a reason to go to these places and there was probably experiences you wanted to have happen. So how did you kind of set that up when you were getting ready to travel with other people? I,
3: I just really did let it unfold. um, and But it was the The awareness that I was co-authoring these experiences with these people that then made me double down on when I was going to be alone, and Thailand is an excellent example because I was very much um, in my new relationship right. and very much in love, and um, but I just knew that if I took him and it didn't work out, he would always be linked to that experience. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice that in the moment.
0: And you guys had already traveled together.
3: So we had twice, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was just so new. And I knew that that was something that I needed to own and that if it worked out, we'll go go back together another time, but Yeah. yeah. So
0: good. That's so interesting. <laughs> um, so cool. I had, you know, I have all my little notes about. let us see. That's why I, I know. That's why I like to go to dress rehearsals. Because people always look at me weird when I start writing things down when when the play is really going on. And um, one of the things I did want to talk about, you you have a, a sort of a, a a bit in it where you talk about recollection and mm-hmm. memory, and uh, sort of for you what the differences are of those, uh, and. I want to go back to the process of writing the book and then writing the writing the play uh so in writing the book, I mean was it a pretty obvious that you were just going to go chronologically and head from the beginning to then then culling it down to because it's the book doesn't have an absolute ton of text you have you set up this formula for each place, but you had ten thousand photos. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, you need a website. Um, But (laughs) but, uh, so what, uh, so writing the book, how did you know what you wanted it to be? Like, what were the, some of the ways that you got to where you, okay, this is the formula that I'm doing it.
3: That was where the latent theater maker reared her head (laughs) Um, that, you know, Stephanie Gillard, complimented one of my previous cabarets of saying that like, my formula was almost archaeological, and she liked that mm-hmm. the way that I um, referenced journal entries or Facebook entries, did things in a chronological order, you know had these kind of fact based um, propellants and so that's that was the um, the formula that I decided was going to work for me that I would um, do them in chronological order because I thought that. The the journey ended up having a trajectory of its own and the the person on the journey changed, you know, throughout and so that it was interesting enough in, in that chronology. And then I just kind of wrote it the way that I speak. And I speak in a sort of monologue, theatrical way. Um, And so then when I was reading them, I thought, well, these are dynamic. And so I, there are uh, portions of them that I liked the writing in the book so much that I just read them right right out of the book in the show. And uh, were there things that, I
0: mean, the show kind of gives you the thing because the book was done. The book was published before you wrote the show, was it not? So if you wanted to change anything in the book, it's not going to happen, but you could change it in the show. Exactly,
3: which is why I love theater and I love blending theater with literature, because as a a theater artist, I've always been ephemeral based. And so then to have something with any kind of semi-permanence, uh, is a little bit daunting. And, um, theater allows me to take this piece of art that's in stasis and give it an immediacy by filtering it through the lens of everything that's happened since. And that's the other layer of the show is looking at the experience post everything. Um, you know, that's happened. I
0: do want to talk about that, but I'm just wondering, and I should have asked you before the interview, is there a little piece of it that you can do? Is there a, sure. uh, a, a minute or two that you could do to give people the taste? Because then I have something I do want to ask you.
3: Yes, I'd love to. So do it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let's do, um, uh, since you referenced the, the Aurora, let's do December. Uh, and so this is the structure of the show. There's a voiceover that does the title slide from the book and gives you all the facts.
0: And the facts are fun because it's yes. how much how much you traveled from your base, or how much
3: you just traveled all over, right? Yes from the uh, from the base to the to the place and back. Uh, so December twenty eighteen, Fairbanks, Alaska. I stayed in a hotel in Fairbanks for one night, a hotel in Seattle for a few hours, and the rest of the time in a private climate controlled dome with an acrylic ceiling, thirty miles north of Fairbanks near the White Mountains. I traveled by plane, taxi, shuttle van, dog sled and on snowbooted foot. I traveled with a friend. Miles traveled, 8,166. I'd taken a friend with me to New Orleans, and we had a shared bucket list item of seeing the Northern Lights. For the first time in my adulthood, I had the travel triumvirate, health, time, and money. What if that never happens again? And so I contacted a travel agent to assist with the booking, and she wouldn't do it, Because they don't like to traffic in variables, and seeing the Northern Lights is never guaranteed. I said, okay, in your informed opinion, where in the world would I have the best chance of seeing them? And she said, honestly, Alaska. So I did some searching on the internet, and I found this place called Borealis Base Camp, a compound of nine climate-controlled domes with acrylic ceilings where you could watch the auroras and meteor showers lying in bed, plus a full bathroom, kitchenette, a little deck, there was a common yurt with an executive chef, a large fire pit, opportunities to go mushing with Iditarod dogs, take day trips to North Pole and Fairbanks, and I found them in their first year and booked a four-day, three-night stay. Good luck. Doing that now, every Instagram travel influencer on the planet has been there. On the flight from Seattle to Fairbanks, I start to feel twinges of regret. I heard the voice of that travel agent reminding me the Northern Lights are phenomenon, not guarantees. Seeing them is a possibility, but am I prepared to be disappointed? Can I afford it? Can I justify it? So I turned my head to brood preemptively out of the plane window and we were literally flying eye level with the auroras. I thought, oh, you win this time, possibility. My friend and I made friends with the executive chef, and the three of us were outside on our last night chatting about the sky conditions and chef's amazing food. For reasons I still don't know, they each wandered off, leaving me alone. And it was while I was alone that the auroras began. There had been a singular band across the sky for quite some time, like a gray, sinewy rainbow. And suddenly it was as if someone had lit a gasoline fire at its base. An intense swirling oval formed at the horizon line, intensifying literally by the minute. And it seemed to spread its fire through the skywide band. In less than 10 minutes, this gray strand had become engulfed and the band split and stretched into undulating waveforms overhead. The auroras lasted for hours that night, changing too rapidly to track. We'd seen them every night, but it was like the auroras said, oh, you think you've seen us? You haven't seen anything yet. It was extraordinary. And now I have a plan. I've been somewhere every month for four months. Why not make it a year?
0: You know, what's so interesting is that I've seen you perform that, and now I've heard you read it. And when you're performing it, you sound differently from how you just sounded now. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very very interesting.
3: (laughs) And last night was... Fabulous, because okay. you you know you saw a, a dress rehearsal. It was you and Ward and the director right. and, and my partner Justin right. in, in the audience. And then last night with you know a, a full house and all of the response, you know it was just it. That's it, it, the helium that that inflates the balloon, right? And off yeah, you float. right. Oh
0: no, having an audience. I mean, I'm I'm not a again I'm not a performer, but I understand having an audience. All of a sudden that the the transference of energy back and forth and back and forth like that yeah. looping of energy is so vital to yeah. it. Uh, So it was, you were kind of like, I have been given this amazing gift, one of the most beautiful things I think that a person could possibly ever see. And I need more. (laughs) You're like, more, give me more. (laughs) Um, So were there regrets at the end? You mentioned regrets, the potential for regret in that. We spoke about it there. So in, in 2019, let's say November 2019, After the year, were you kind of like, oh, man, that was expensive or, ooh, you know, did I do
3: that? Or were you like, yes, I none of those thoughts really crept in until the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of shook shook my my world. Um, And then at that point. I started to question. Well, wow, well, it would have been nice to have a bigger safety net right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was going to be this unemployed right. for this long and move to a new market and all of those kinds of things. Um, and and yet, you know, spoiler alert in the play, I wouldn't I wouldn't change this experience mm-hmm. because I met Justin. I I everything about where I sit right this minute is tied directly to this experience. So there's clearly no version of my now that doesn't have this attached yeah, to it. Because there was a
0: before and there was a during, but there's definitely an after. Absolutely. You know, there are different stages, specifically yeah. different stages, which is I think what exactly travel is supposed to do. Yeah. Last night, um, after the brilliant Lyceum thought entered my brain, I was watching uh some different documentaries and stuff about it. And there was this gentleman, I don't remember his name, but he and his wife Uh, traveled in the 1880s, 1890s, uh, in the first decade of the 20th century, uh, in northern Canada to Alaska, uh, in places where they were very often the first non-Indigenous people that were seen there. And, uh, and they were, came from a lot of privilege. In New York, I think they 're from New York, um, old money had all the money they could use, and none of it meant anything when they were you know in traveling in a lot of places and uh, It was interesting, and they became very popular because their show was you know they had all the information about all the contacts. But their show, what they talked a lot about was that there was nothing that was changed as much as them, like completely changed, that they were not, you know, they wondered if they should go back and see if they can even find their old selves because they they weren't sure they would recognize them. Mm-hmm. So the self that brought you to do that, you know, you had been married, you are, were and are a mother, you had lived in Chicago, you know, you were, have been a, a performer as long as I've known you, I think probably since you were a little mm-hmm. kid.
4: Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> so so you you left you left that Becca McCoy parts of her in seven countries and eight mm-hmm. states and probably other places too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you uh, do you feel like okay I don't ever need to do that again or is there sort of like now I know now I have a understanding of what I need to do if I'm stuck with my life like does it what are some of the lessons from this
3: oh yes for sure um yeah it's something that I um, think about wanting to bring back and yet the the lessons of the moment and also the acknowledgement of when I had learned lessons and then I didn't implement them in real time and then I was conscious of that um, flashlight those th- <laughs> those things all stay with me um and so I don't feel like I need to go on, you know, a sort of pilgrimage of self, which that experience was. Um, but I, I want to just keep soaking up what it gave me, even if it's seeing a new part of. Just part of Tampa, or mm-hmm. you know, or, or or Georgia, or however it it fits into my quote normal life. I just
0: want to say also, yay Georgia! Um, thank you Georgia. I know. <laughs> thank you Georgia. Yes. <laughs> is your daughter? How is she with traveling?
3: She's pretty good. She um I don't think that she's done anything extensive uh either, you know, cuz she's now a high school freshman, she's taller than me. She's got her life and and COVID also um put everything to a halt. Uh and so that's one thing that I reference is that we got separated. Um it, I I landed in Georgia in a family home and uh wanted her not to be isolated or torn out of, you know, the routines that she had, the friends that she had made, because now she's a, mm-hmm. she's a preteen into teenager, uh, and so she lives here uh, in in Clearwater full time, and I'm in Georgia, and I could never have imagined that would be mm-hmm. reality, right? Um, and so that was a difficult transition, but I felt like it was really important that she she was kept stable and she was kept dynamic. That my my ex husband's remarried and they live in a multi-generational house and she had siblings. And so right. she got family interactions and interpersonal interactions that I could not have given her mm-hmm. in Georgia. And it was more important to me that I felt like she was someplace that she would be taken care of physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that was tough. That right. Was really I would think to,
0: to not be with your child yeah, is a, is a big thing. Uh, and then, so has this, are you writing more? Are you writing another? What's going on?
3: I, I, yes, Yes. Uh, because um, you know, I also listen to like a lot of podcasts with other performers and I just know that I am in a space, not just with my relationship with the industry as a whole, but my knowledge of who I am, uh, that I have a better shot just being myself Mm -hmm. than I do waiting for someone else to say, Yes, you can interpret this. Piece that's been interpreted by eight hundred other people, um, you know, in the fifty years that it's been written. That that I I know myself. I know how I communicate with an audience, how I tell stories, and um, and that it's valid and it's dynamic, and that I want to just continue fostering my own opportunities um, and and moving forward as a theater artist in a more authentic way for myself.
0: There's uh, I think. Over the years, as I've been doing Art in Your Ear, I've seen more and more people uh, sort of say, like, look, I have to make, I have to light my own path. I have to light my own, <laughs> own fires. Other people aren't going to do this for me. And not all of those people have been women, but the majority of people have been yep. women to say, I need to move forward. So great. Awesome. Yeah. And I think it'd be really super interesting someday to see if somebody else decides to to interpret your work and have them do it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to make sure I give the facts out. Is there anything I didn't cover that you no, want to make sure people been know? great. Thank oh, you. Good. No, it has been great. Thank you. Uh, so a world... Um, it's uh, the world premiere, <laughs> page to stage. The Year of Extraordinary Travel, written and performed by my guest, Becca McCoy, directed by Vicky Danion. Daniel. 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 Um, it opened up last night. It runs through the 18th. It's at Studio Grand Central, which is located at 2260. Is that right? I can't see. Yeah, 1st Avenue First South. 1st Avenue South. The entrance is on 23rd. Um, so yes. and there's plenty of parking and stuff like that. So the entrance is on 23rd. You can go online right this very second to studiograndcentral.com and see that information or go to the Art in Your Ear Facebook page and see the information as well. Becca, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. It was great. I really enjoyed the show. And oh my God, I've got so many songs I want to play. And we're going to play Pictures of Flowers. This is Pictures of Flowers uh, by Jess Williamson here on Art in Your Ear on WMNF 88.5 FM. Jess Williamson and hand habits. Pictures of flowers, so pretty. Hey, right, a couple uh, things going on around town that I want to let you know about. Last night was the grand opening. Oops, Andrew Bird. Hush now. Hush, Andrew Bird. Um, last night was the grand opening, the fabulous opening of Tempest Project's Ebor, and they opened with their show Karst Grounds, uh, Quattro Sinistra, and it is their fourth iteration of their uh, exhibition that explores the the sinister side of the sunshine state. Unfortunately, I couldn't go last night, but I am definitely going to go see that. It's a great space. There's a ton of art. It's where the micro cinema is. Uh, there's, uh, art, other artist galleries. It's really wonderful. Uh, if you want some more information, you of course can go online to tempest-projects.com and they have all the information. Tempest projects is located at 1624 East 7th Avenue in beautiful Ybor city. There's gallery hours are on Tuesdays and Thursdays midday 10 to 2 and then by appointment so that information is all online and hopefully we will have them on this show to chat about it also uh, also I want to mention there is a book release party next Friday I want to follow up on this um, Shay Krispinski has a book out, Light Lightning, uh, like lightning. Uh, and you would know Shay from basically all the rock and roll shows and and garage band shows and just a great writer, great person. Uh, and she has her book uh party next Friday night at the Disco Dolls Studio and the Disco Dolls Studio is located here in Tampa at 4220 North Florida Avenue Uh, and I will post that up I think it's on my Facebook but if not I will post it up on the Art in Your Air Facebook page to make sure that is going on Uh, yeah there we go Uh, other things too here's something I just want to make sure that you know about (laughs)
3: doing your holiday shopping
0: this season how about a truly sustainable gift the gift of community No plastic consumerism crap destined for a landfill. No money for the big boxes or billionaires. How about a gift membership to WMNF Community Radio? You can easily do that online and put in the notes that it is a gift for your loved one or friend. And if you include their address, the fabulous Miss Julie will send them an acknowledgement that you have made this gift for them. And she'll send it along with the coveted WMNF bumper sticker. No fuss, no muss, no bother. Everything fits perfectly and it's nothing but love. Go to WMNF.org slash donate and give the gift of community. E Love is up next with her beautiful Global Electronica show. Such a wonderful way to slip into the weekend. After that is a live music showcase Uh, that's from 2 to uh, 3 p.m. I think they've got sort of a rock and roll show on. All right, more Elvis. Got to have as much Elvis as possible. That goes out to our friend Flea, because we love him so much. So anyway, uh, Live Music Showcase at 2 at 3 to 6 p.m. is the Rhythm Revival. It's uh, reaching into the roots of rock and roll, uh, the roots country, comedy, jump, jive, swing, everything. You never know what those guys are going to play. At 6 o'clock, we have classic R&B and soul with the Soul Party. 8 o'clock is a smorgasbord of rhythm-based music all the fun stuff you could possibly hear and a lot of food talk on The Soul Kitchen. And then at 10 o'clock, I'm with Eddie G and Dave Bryant. And then at 10 o'clock we ease into the night to a little sexy night with uh, Flashback Friday, and that is Florida-based R&B and Soul here on 88.5